the next uh, plan for EasyVAT is to uh, install ourselves as a leader in the digital tax refund industry. We know that our industry is uh, still in the process of shifting from a paper to a digital model. The digital environment has a couple of serious actors, but no real front runner, and we definitely want to position ourselves being the front runner uh, in Europe for digital tax refund, whether it is for travelers or international shoppers uh, buying cross-border. We could have just said, okay, this is it. We can just stop. Nobody will blame us for that. It's the biggest uh, crisis the world has known ever that we all know of. But you can try to, to see the opportunity in the crisis. And I think that's also maybe a, a mindset thing. And I always say that the challenges that you face make you worthy of the ones that are ahead. I don't believe that people are in a company and they only know how to do one thing because that's what they learn at school. If we give them the space to express more, a wider range of their talents, I think everybody benefits, the company obviously, but also the person itself because they know that they get more engaged because you're not just a one title in a company, you really contribute with what you're passionate about. episode of the Building China, part of the Gambit Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jing Liu. This is a series talking about the dynamic startup environment in China. So today we have the pleasure of being joined by Woody Cater. Woody is from France and has been living in China for a long time. She is the founder of EasyVet, a mobile app digitizing uh, tax refund for international travelers. She is also the foreign trade advisor of France, an expert in fintech in China and France, the board member of IPWS, International Professional Women's Society, and an active driver for Africa Tech Summit. So welcome, Woody. Thank you, Jane, for having me. Really nice to be with you today. Thank you, too. Maybe you can introduce a bit about yourself and how you came to China. Yeah, sure. Happy to. First, I'm, when you were introducing me, I had a moment where I actually wanted to laugh because it sounded almost like Khaleesi from uh, Game of Thrones when you give all these titles. But actually, uh, <laughs> it's not that dramatic. So my name is Woody and I've been in China now for over 15 years continuously. But my first time was back in 2005. I, I was born in Mali in Africa and I moved to China because I wanted to experience something completely different than what I had. And China was not attracting a lot of people back then. And I always believed that when you go outside of your comfort zone, and this is when actually you grow up and learn. So that's why actually I wanted to try China because nobody wanted to go. And honestly, that's the main reason. So I have two kids. My husband is German and both my kids were born in China, of course. And yeah, I don't know what else to say more. I hope that's enough. Yeah, sure. Like your two lovely kids. I sometimes feel like they are more Chinese because they speak perfect Mandarin. The same with you and your husband, I think. Yeah, actually, they, they are, I think they, they are uh, Chinese in a way because they were born here and they were born into this culture. They never learned the language because they always spoke it uh, 
before even before going to school but they are also very much French. I also sometimes love when my daughter is speaking French because I feel like each language comes with a kind of attitude. She's completely different when she's speaking Chinese, French, or German because my, uh, she talks German with her father uh, or, or English. So I, I would say that's what I wanted for my kids because that's close to what I had back when I, I was born in Africa is being born in a different culture, but also understanding another culture, not just through the language, but also what it really means to, to know the Chinese culture. Like my, my, my son, since the beginning, is very much involved into Weiqi. I, I don't know. I didn't, use, I didn't know the Weiqi game until then. He started, I think he was four, four years old. And I always thought when I moved to France after I was almost 11, when I first moved to France, I always thought that my, when I will have kids, they won't have some to go through what my parents had to go through because I was in French, but our language was, was French. At home, we had also a Bambara, which is a dialect from Mali. And so it was challenging for the school. So I, I always thought, wait a minute, I went to a business school. I did business studies and studies. I would have no problem helping my kids. That was underestimating that they, I would end up in China and having to have them do their homework in Chinese and taking them to competition, which I don't understand. So yeah, it's actually made me realize that sometimes uh, being out of your comfort zone is not negative. It's actually positive because they are learning something that I don't know. They're learning something more than what I have. And that's what I always wanted for my kids. Oh, indeed. That's very impressive. And I work for Xnode. Xnode is an accelerator for corporate innovation and the cross-border ac uh, startup acceleration. So that's where I got to know you. I remember like you joined our corporate acceleration program a couple of years ago. And that time you still worked for the corporate side. So how did you start your startup journey? And uh, why did you find EasyVet? Tell us a little bit more about the, the startup side of your journey. Yeah, sure. Actually, it was so nice to get Xnode during that uh, phase of, of the company. And it all started, I always say, EasyVat could have start, could have not started in so many occasions. First of all, we started because the company had a lot of difficulties and had to find new ways of uh, making money. So then um, it asked all the employees to pitch in ideas. And, and yeah, and then I was a manager. So having worked in China for 10 years, my first instinct was to not actually pitch. I wanted my the people in the team to pitch. And I know in China, sometimes when the staff see that managers are competing for something, they don't they won't do it. So I didn't want the the people in the team to feel like, oh yeah, this is a manager thing. But then I was very lucky that my the CFO at that time, because I was in finance, and said, yeah, actually everybody needs to give their idea. It doesn't matter your which level you are in the company. And this encouraged me to go ahead. And why EasyVat is that um, 2005, I worked for a company who is a leader uh, in the tax reform industry. And when I left this company, I spent two years there. I always thought that something uh, better could be done in this industry. And I always wanted to have a stronger link between China and this industry. Actually. I have a letter back in from back in 2006, I think, that I sent my manager begging her to actually let me open China because I believe that China would be so important for travel and tax refund. 
And at that time, the company was not ready. Regardless, I still moved to China. Then I put this idea behind me. And when my present company back then said that we could pitch an idea, I just told, yeah, why not make this industry better? Why not disrupt it? Uh, the way we had been disrupted in the banking the company I worked with is uh, used to be in the banking. And then it was amazing how it all started to stick together very quickly. First person I pitched the idea was a very tough critic as a German. <laughs> he, how did he do that? <laughs> so I always pitch him the ideas that I have because I, I always had like ideas for business and so on. And uh, he's a very honest person in his critics in a way that it makes it obvious for you that did I really think this through? And for the first time I pitch him when I of an idea that I pitched to him, he just said to me, are you sure you want to pitch this to your company? Why not do it just on your own? Because the idea is too good. <laughs> okay, then uh, that, that really gave me the boost to go ahead. And I said, actually, I want to pitch it in the company because it makes sense because they're a bank. It's a business that is very cash sensitive. So I also already back then I thought to put the interest of the company first, I would say, and I thought it made sense. So that's how it started. And the company paid us a uh, acceleration program. They loved the idea and we actually won the internal competition between all the ideas. So that was one of the main idea that the company decided to go for. And, and then we won the right to, to participate in X Node Acceleration Program and where I met you. Hmm. So it's like you started an internal incubation within the company with your idea and then later you spin off for these events. Exactly. Yeah, that's totally the case. It was an internal uh, entrepreneurship program first. Then we were we, we decided to join the incubation. And I think that was a very good idea. It actually was pushed by one of the person who, who later on become, became a partner on uh, EasyVat when the company closed. Because I don't want to fast forward too fast. But yeah, the company did close after they didn't manage to, uh, to turn around quickly enough in China. And the uh, strategic decision was made to leave China, which basically meant that EasyVat, our project back then, would be not going forward. And to me, it was very hard uh, time because it made me realize that I just didn't want to leave this to be an open, open, uh, open-end project. I wanted to go through the end of it. I didn't necessarily know for sure that we will succeed or not, but I just knew it would be a mistake. And I will always ask myself, what if I don't go to the end of it? So then I wrote to the headquarter. It was just a few days after Christmas because that's when we learned that the company was closing. And I just wrote him uh, for my, my heart on paper to explain to him why I'm not interested in anything else with that company except actually having the right to continue this idea. Even if I know we don't get any more support, uh, no salary, no money, no... But it's just, uh, yeah. And then I think sometimes when you just, you tell people what you want, you'll be surprised how many times you actually end up having what you want. So I, I think the, the, the fact that I asked was the hardest part maybe. Then the, the, the rest, it was just, just the small details. At the end of the day, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah, but quite a lot of the small details, uh, like a lot of obstacles for a startup company. What, yeah, what does EasyVet do exactly? So EasyVet is in tech that digitalized the process of VAT refund. 
the VAT refund is the right to get refunded the VAT when you shop in Europe. And actually it's in 40 countries, but Europe is the main market for that. So when you don't live in Europe and you go there for holidays, travel, you, you do your shopping and actually you are right, you are entitled to get the VAT refunded on those purchases. So EasyVAT is the company that simplified this process and make sure that you get it in every store online and offline, but also that you get your refund fast. So we are faster than the market in terms of refund time because we refund the travelers within 24 hours after they validated their, their tax refund form at the airport. And we have digitalized this process against all holds. And, and this is the part that I'm very proud of as well. Of course, we are, we are supported by uh, experts in legal because this, we are dealing with taxes and uh, we work in partnership with the customs in the countries where we are. So this is, this is the, the main business that we have. So needless to say that when we launched the company end of 2019, it was the worst timing ever because then two days later, uh, COVID was arriving to shake the world. And this is when we actually, for me, I always say it's because being in China has been very critical for us at that time. Because in over 10 years of China, I have never seen uh, a Chinese official go on TV and say, we have a problem. So then... We knew it was serious from day one, and we take it seriously from day one. Uh, and this forced us to really ahead and, and think, what do we want for the company? Because we couldn't, we knew that the crisis would last at least at that time, we thought it would be a year. That's when we talked. The, the, because when I left the company, actually, I explained this part. So I proposed to all the people who worked with me on the project to join. And the only one who joins um, because they, uh, yeah, they could and were, were my two co-founders, Baptiste Anjou and uh, Thierry Chopin. So when we, the three of us, were discussing early 2020, it was clear that the crisis would last at least one year. And as a startup, we couldn't just struggle for one year without revenue, without really perspective. We couldn't raise money either. Nobody would give money to a startup in the travel industry, given the COVID. So we quickly came up. And also, I must say, Jane, one exercise that we were doing during our time, and XNOD has proven very helpful during these meetings. I don't know if you remember, we had uh, this, this Canva where all the different uh, parts of the business, the customers, the, the suppliers, the, the, the partners. So uh, there was an exercise that we did with XNOD was to imagine that this goes away. Imagine that this is not possible. So it's really put yourself in a very difficult situation. And for us, it was imagine our customer cannot travel anymore, <laughs> which was the case. <laughs> They couldn't. <laughs> so how could we provide the service that we want to provide to them? And this is when we launched EasyVat Cross Border, which is a, a service that allows international shoppers who live outside of Europe shop on French websites. So this is the market we are in, and get it delivered in our warehouse. We organize the international shipping and also the VAT refund. So it's basically. The same thing, except the people don't have to go physically in, in France. 
So that, that was nice on paper, but on, it was uh, far from being done. So we had to mm-hmm. come up with the process, develop the platform, validate the legal models and the legal documents that we need to be in the right when we do the way we wanted to do the business. And this all went very fast also because I was stuck in Germany in 2020 for a couple of months. So I was close to the team, we were in the same time zone, and I must say internet was fast. So I feel like I had two of me at some time when I was (laughs) (laughs) So that was very helpful. And thanks to all those kind of, the bad luck came together and actually it was in the end of the day, it was an opportunity for us because today the cross-border model is really driving the company revenues. And I don't think we would have given it the same intensity of action if it was not for the COVID, because with the B2C model, the one when the people are traveling, is very intense in terms of time consumption and focus of the team. We wouldn't have had the time to, to launch a second business model. So it's actually like the COVID gave you like a shock and make you to rethink about your business model. Well, on the other side, the good thing is like pivot very quickly because of the COVID. That kind of like opened that new window of your business. Totally. That's the COVID was really a, I think it's a make or break your time, clearly, because uh, we could have just said, okay, this is it. We can just stop. Nobody will blame us for that. It's the biggest uh, crisis the world has known in uh, in ever that we all know of, but you can try to to see the opportunity in the crisis. And I think that's also maybe a, a mindset thing. The EasyVat project has already been always challenging. And I always say that the challenges that you face make you worthy of the ones that are ahead. And I feel like maybe we were already conditioned to always look at a different angle because the when the company, uh, our corporate company closed, that was also one, one occasion to just give up and we didn't. And so every time there is a challenges, now we are forced to, to shift the angle yeah. where we, we are looking at things. And that's, that, that was done quickly during the pandemic because also we had to face so many challenges before the pandemic. Indeed, indeed. Do you feel like that's, the hardest time for your business, like throughout the three years of uh, the EasyVet journey, or is there any even more challenging part to you and the business? Uh, I think for every startup, the we have a constant challenge as friend, which is the cash. We need to always be tough on our cash management and make sure that we know where we're going. So it's so with us every day that it become a part of the. It's part of the deal to just always be, I wouldn't say stressed because I think at least for me, it doesn't work for me if I'm always in a stress mode. So I learned to live with the constant challenge, which was difficult in the beginning because I, I, I was always trying to get things solved before mm-hmm. I go to bed. And through those three years, I've learned that sometimes you have to sleep with with open questions that you don't know the answer to yet. So I think that's more, so I wouldn't give a specific challenge because there have been a lot. And I am not foolish enough to believe there won't be anymore. Uh, But I just wish that I keep this quality to be able to step out of it all and have the, the, the rest that you need to be able to deal with those challenges. So that's, I would say that was the toughest part in the beginning, because when you always go to bed with so many questions in your head, you actually don't sleep that much. And, and then 
if you don't sleep, you're not efficient and you can't solve them. So that was something I would say was difficult for me. For the company, the, the challenge is always, we are a very fragile structure by nature because we are a startup. So it's for us to, to maintain this, the, the strength through the co-founders that we are, is that we, we have to always give the life to the company, no matter the weather, because we have staff that count on us and we, we have to take on the stress. And that, that's maybe the challenge every day is you need to absorb that stress for, for everybody else. And the fact that we are three helps a lot. So that's what I always tell my, my partners is that we should share the struggle by three because <laughs> three times faster, but we also have to share it. So it's not okay that one person is holding on a problem on his own and, and not sharing it because he's worried that this will really worry the other. So we, this is something we, have, we, we had to, to clarify this as we were moving into the survival mode during the pandemic. And yeah, it's difficult for me to single out one challenge because I've approached all of them with the same almost consideration. I always consider a challenge as a, something, as an opportunity in disguise. And I just, either I succeed to see it or either I fail, it's just okay. It's, and also we, when you start a company, it's very, we are all always very scared of failing because yeah. you, know, you start something and, and it's, we sometimes forget that the, the, we won already by starting it. And this is something somebody always used to tell me that before. And it was way ahead in his, in his, in his life as an entrepreneur. He told me, yeah, but stop saying when you will make it. You made it already. You always, you're already running the company. And this is something was very difficult to enter in my head because I didn't see myself as running a company was just like going from day to day, solving problems, getting, and I, I'm like, yeah, my target is that the company can keep going, but it was going. So I need to live in this moment where it's going because otherwise I will miss it all. So this is, this was challenging as well. Yeah, this, uh, I don't know if it answers your question. I'm sorry, I don't have a, a specific case to single out. Of course, the, the COVID was a very bad, uh, mm-hmm. bad uh, calendar for us. But in the end of the day, it was uh, an opportunity in disguise, which we, we tapped into. The company leaving China was terrible because it left us without any resources and with a very difficult uh, negotiation to get the project out. When we started the project, we, we wanted to find a partner to go fast. We failed to do that and we, were, we lost a lot of time. But at the end of the day, the team was able to mobilize and full, go ahead full stream. So I, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was one more challenging than the other. They were all challenging. Yeah, I really like that part, actually. I totally agree with you. Being a startup is so challenging and it's a constant, constantly happen. And... No matter like with the external environment or sometimes like the internal development and the internal team, because it's not like an established business, you have everything well in structure, but for the startups, it's all relied on the founders at the beginning, then the team to proceed and the marketing environment really affects the business growth a lot. So yeah, actually personally, I really like your answer. There's not like the most challenging, but every challenge that you have to just cope with it and try to solve it. Yes. Yeah, that's what we try to do every day. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's funny, I'm telling you this is terrible. I should, I'm telling you this and we are in a lockdown in Shanghai. Definitely, there are a lot of challenges every day. But yeah, 
the mindset for me is at least what helped me as an entrepreneur is exactly what you said. You have to tackle it one by one and and give them the same consideration uh, at some point. Yeah, it's just have to move ahead. There is one saying that the obstacle impacts the way, but not the direction forward. So you just have to find, you know, another angle and keep moving. Yeah, definitely keep moving. And you mentioned about you and your co-founders share the stress and the worries. So tell us a little bit more with uh, your co-founders. And I know that you have your business both in Shanghai and France. So how do you see your company as like an international company or it's more like a Chinese started company? Because I think quite a lot of the, the target market is with Chinese buyers and Chinese travelers. Tell us a bit more about your co-founders and like the cross-border part of your business. So yeah, I have uh, two co-founders since we uh, left the corporate environment. And so the, one of them is, uh, is based here in China with me. And the third one is uh, Thierry Chopin, who is running our operations from France. So it, we already, for me, we are an international company with what makes China great in terms of digital and, and speed. I think definitely the speed is something that I have been immersed in for 15 years in China. So definitely it has impacted me. Before starting this company, I was working in the e-commerce for in retail, so in China. So definitely we, we were molded in this environment of uh, in this Chinese environment of speed and also customer excellence. In China, it's very difficult to please customers. So you have to be at the right level when it comes to service. And uh, this is something that we also bring with us. But uh, dealing with the French taxes, obviously, our headquarters has to be in Europe because this is a more uh, compliance aspect. So we, we do have a very strong roots uh, in Europe being headquartered in France. So it, I, it is an inter from the start, we are an international company. One of our main targets, obviously, are the Chinese customers because they are the number one uh, consumer of a tax refund pre-pandemic and also travelers pre-pandemic. And our, our own background, I, I always believed uh, back in 2005 that Chinese travelers play a strong role, not only for, for my industry at that time, tax refund, but for luxury, for retail. And I think this is what we have seen until the pandemic has started. So yeah, we are an international company and my two co-founders have also this international mindset. Batiston uh, lived in the US before moving to China and uh, he's French, but actually moved to, to the US, then to China. Thierry Chopin was also expatriated here in, in, in China, uh, in Shanghai for I think three years or four years. And then he lived in the Middle East as well and also in, in other Southeast Asian regions. So we already had this international mindset before we start the company. And we brought in, in our style of running the company what, the, what we have seen work the best in China. And definitely speed is one of it, as I was saying. Digitalization, China has been ahead since WeChat came in. Seeing all those giants like WeChat, Alipay being born when you're here definitely impacts you and definitely influence the way you do things because we, China is just going forward really fast when it comes to technology. And I've experienced something close and I hope will happen as well in Africa. So I'm also involved there. So 
being immersed in all those different cultures definitely make our company an international one. We try to get the best of the different influences that we are exposed to. Your product line, I think, is quite mature now. What's like the, the growing direction for your company next? Yeah, the next uh, plan for EasyVat is to uh, install ourselves as a leader in the digital tax refund industry. We know that the, the, our industry is uh, still in the process of shifting and it's shifting from a paper to a digital model. The digital environment has a couple of serious actors, but no, no real front runner. And we definitely want to position ourselves within the, being the front runner in Europe for digital tax refund, whether it is for travelers or international shoppers buying cross-border. So this is our, our main goal. And doing so, we, we really also um, want to show that things can be done in a, in a way that is uh, maybe uh, not, so, let's say not so common, but at the end of the day, you get the results. So we do this, managing the way we manage the team is a very off the book style, I would say. We do give a lot of space to, to the people in the company to go beyond the hat they came in with, because I always believe that people can do more than one, one, one JD that they are given to. Maybe, for example, somebody from legal can have a lot of cool ideas actually for marketing, because besides when she leaves the job, she's a lot on social media and has all those things. So this is, we tr we, this is an experiment in a way, the way we run the company, but we do believe that in, in, the, in this way of doing things because ourselves, when we were in the corporate world, for somebody like me, is, uh, I work in marketing, finance, and legal and IT, but these are not things that I've learned because I'm an entrepreneur. These are things that I was interested in when I was already in a corporate, but in a regular corporate environment, it's very difficult to actually get the best out of people because you always look at them from one angle. So that's also something yeah. we want to cultivate along the way as we move toward our strategic goal. Mm, yeah, that's actually very important because like sometimes uh, working with corporate, you only stay with your own desk, your own laptop and doing your own, like that one task. But working with a startup company, you have the potential to reach out to more different angles of the business and different departments. And you never know, like people might be good at, as you said, not just one side of it. People, when they have the passion to do something and learn new things, they can develop a new, the new growth in themselves and that brings better value for the company as well, I think. Yes, definitely. That's what I, that's my core belief. I just don't, I don't believe that people are in a company and they only know how to do one, one, one thing because that's what they learn at school. If, if, if we give them the space to express more, uh, a wider range of their talents, I think everybody benefits the company, obviously, but also the person itself, himself, because they know that they get more engaged because you're not just a one title in a company you really contribute with what passionate, passionate what you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, and I reflect the, the earlier when you mentioned about you want to digitalize in this, uh, the VAT uh, tax return. That kind of brings me back before the COVID time when we traveled to Europe and before you came back on boarding the flight, to address again and again. And in the airport, you have to wait in the line and all those long papers. And you know, the Chinese buying power is really like long and a lot of materials. 
Yes, that's, that's also our dreams is to really make all this hassle go away because tax refund has been uh, put in place to serve the tourists. So in the end of the day, for 20 years, the market leadership had it the way that the tourists were the last on the thought of anybody. First was the retailers, then was the tax refund operators. So we kept this very old and painful model without being able to challenge it. And I can, for me, I cannot imagine the, for Chinese how it is like now, because when you come to China, you don't touch paper for most of your life, really. Everything is online. But then when you travel to Europe, you end up with a small book uh, to validate page by page, almost when you yeah. were there. So it's, it must be quite shocking for uh, Chinese, but also even Asian, you know, in a more this is definitely our goal. For me, it is a certitude that this is going to go away because it's not customer friendly. And you, customers are no better, especially those coming from China. They know better. They have e-commerce. They, they know that this is not okay. So this is where we hope that our service is going to meet those people who are looking for a better experience. Yeah, indeed. So I know that you are also very active in the startup ecosystem. Like you are the board member at this International Professional Women's Society, uh, supporting female entrepreneurs like you. And also you are quite active promoter for African tech startup activities and also being a mom of two kids. So how do you like being so active in these different parts uh, in the ecosystem and still maintain a balance between your work and life? I, I get that question a lot. And I always try to give an answer that is understandable. It's always an honest one, but I just want to make sure people get it because I think we, I don't do things I don't like. So I'm not overwhelmed by the things I do. So that's what I, right now, the involvement I have, I think them through before I decide to go ahead with it. Because I know if I'm, I, I, because I have so many other things on my plate, if I have something that I'm doing for whatever reason, that is not really aligned with uh, what my heart wants, then it's become a struggle. It was easy for me to commit to IPWS, uh, International Professional Woman. Because I believe women, if they are given the fair share at the table, we actually have a more balance. And also, you, it's, it's nice to have people who look like you and we just, we can go beyond that table, uh, beyond that uh, woman thing. So when you're a little girl, it's nice to see that the CEO can be a, a woman. It's nice to see that an astronaut is a woman. It's nice. But if we, you don't, you're not able to, to see somebody who looks like you, how can you dream? Because you have to visualize it. So if you've never seen it, and it makes it harder. And I, I believe women have this natural ability of bringing everybody along the way maybe it's uh, the, the basic thing we say because we can be moms so we tend to take care of everybody but be, beyond that like in Africa if a woman is given is empowered to start her own business uh, she actually elevates an entire family not just herself so that's why I believe um, giving the, the right environment the right tools the right support to women to have their fair uh, place in the professional space is is a very important thing. So when I'm in the, when I'm in meetings for IPWS or working on content or organize or events that we we organize, 
for me, it's almost a break from my company. It's, it's, it's not a work. It's, it's a space to breathe and, and see other things. So it's, it's not overwhelming for me. And my involvement with African startups, it's, it's just a natural thing for me. It is um, the same way I was talking about women. It's like I was born in Africa and I have seen since so many years, so, many mo- so much money being given to the continent. And I just feel if you give not even close to that amount to to people for the business that business ideas that they have, my the impact that you can have will be definitely more than what we've seen so far. And I have seen people creating amazing ideas in uh, in conditions that are just impossible already. So if I can with my platform anyway bring some light in those uh, I think that's my job is done so it's not that complicated of a job either it's just giving that space and being and, and participating in in making that space possible I joined Andrew who is the real force uh, behind Africa Tech Summit and he trusted me uh, with an event in, in Shanghai and I wanted to be part of this for all the reasons I just said because but also because he, because of him, the way he was doing things, I, I saw what he has done with very little resources in uh, bringing all the attentions on African tech, African startups. So I could only be wish to be a little part of that and bring the little support that I can in this, in this context. So for me, that's not an extra job either. It's really, it's a place where I enjoy myself. Like when I go there, like YPWS, and definitely my kids are not an extra job. So when I <laughs> give me a lot of energy and, and really new perspective every time I, I sit down with them or just I look at them. So I'd say for me, the secret is do things that uh, are meaningful to you. Then it's not a over, overwhelming situation and you don't feel like your agenda is too full. That's very true. It's uh, If you feel meaningful and want to put in more of your passion and time, then it's like part of your life. It's not really just a burden or another work. Yeah, exactly. And another question, I feel a little bit tough for myself, but I want to hear your perspective on that. I know that you've got another quite hard time fighting against the cancer risk, and you had to go through a lot of the check and surgery. And that's also been the same period when you are starting up your business. So do you want to share a little bit more of uh, that experience and how, if that changes your life or mindset? Yeah, and the, that experience, like when you asked me at the beginning of this, this conversation, if uh, I find something was more challenging than the other, even thinking about that, I don't consider it to be more challenging than the other. The reason is, once again, this for me was a personal challenge. And, and in, within that challenge, there is also an opportunity that it made me more focused because sometimes we we forget that death is not an accident it happens to all of us so when you are let's say facing it so possibly say not or not anymore as a something hypothetical that can happen in 80 years or 50 years or 40 years but that could happen much earlier than that I think it's, it focuses you, it, uh, it helps your mind to just clean the unnecessary. And that was very important for me as we started uh, the company, because there were a lot of difficult things, but not all the difficult things were necessary for me to focus on in a way, because sometimes you make difficulties yourself in your head. And being in this um, 
in this fight, let's say, I, didn't, I don't even call it a fight. Frankly, I didn't have to fight. I just had to go to the doctor, get my exams and see the results and move on with my life and focus on what was positive. If, if there was a fight, it was to, to see the present and, and enjoy it. And then that was easy for me. That was not a fight. And it has been actually very helpful for me in the beginning. I haven't told anybody in the company and they actually learned it for, let's say, two days before I went into operations. It's something that I've, I haven't, I didn't, I focused too much on it either. When I get in the, the hospital, I was always hopeful. And then the result was always mixed. I knew it was coming. I needed to get an operation, but it was not up to me. And that's the second part is that we forget that not everything is up to us. So we fight things that we can't fight. So I would say it helped me to focus on what is within my control. And really great that you came through all this and uh, everything's at least like normal a little bit for now. Yeah. Yes, everything is normal. You are also a very strong woman there. You are. We are both in lockdown in Shanghai and we say everything yeah. is normal for now. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'm just trying to say that kind of attitude and focus can also fit for this current lockdown environment. Exactly. You never you expected know. that to happen. Yeah, I think so many, for the past three years, for the life of me, if, uh, if a fortune teller would have said everything that would happen, I don't know, I would maybe believe in that now, but it's every day something unexpected is happening. Who, who knew yeah. that 25 million people could be on lockdown the way we are right now? I mean, that yeah. this is just part of the, I say that in the beginning, whatever challenges you face today, it just make you worthy of the next challenge. I was ready for that one. And I'm lucky that I was ready for, for it. And I think you are too, because you also, yeah, you keep it positive and uh, still doing organizing podcasts and trying to elevate other people around you when it's difficult for yourself. This is something very hard to do. And thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Woody. That's, uh, it's always been nice talking with you and uh, so happy to hear more of your stories. And I think it's quite inspiring for me and also will be for our audience. And I hope that we can all look more into the present and deal with the challenges one by one so that we can move forward. Thank you uh, for the opportunity of this conversation and I hope uh, that it was meaningful to, to people who are listening. Thank you and thanks to all our audience and if you want to know more about Woody's story you can follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for Woody Kater, W-O-D-Y-K-E-I-T-A and also you can download the EasyVet uh, app, I think, from the website. It's izivat.com. So thanks, everyone. And this is Building China, part of the Ganbei Podcast Network. And you can follow us on ganbei.tv and uh, the major podcast channels. Stay tuned. Thank you.